good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello, and welcome to this episode number 412 of the Material Podcast. I'm Andy Anotko. Well, Florence Ion starts her month-long medical slash self-care leave this week. So it's just going to be me. Uh, well, uh, if you missed last week's episode and you're now really alarmed because you don't know why Flo is on medical leave, it, it's fine. Don't be alarmed. She's uh, she's just taking a little break so she can catch up on some basic medical care and well-being sort of stuff that she's had to defer for like months now. Her daughter has been doing what all toddlers are here to do, act as adorable little Roombas that scoop up every possible virus and contaminant from all of the other Roombas that she socializes with, and then she diligently handed them over to her parents. Uh, Flo had been navigating the lingering effects of all of those various <laughs> incongruous imbalances to her bodily humors while handling the stress of a full workload, uh, and so she was doing a great job, but it was definitely time to take some time off so she can regroup <laughs> and catch up and, and, and heal a little bit. Now, if on the other hand, you were alarmed because of the part where I said that you're stuck with just me this time, I'm well, I, uh, there's really isn't much I can do for you uh, there, but I can definitely sympathize. I, I have to listen to myself and only myself on most work days. And boy, yeah, that's sometimes it is a bit much, isn't it? But you know something, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to get through this together. I'm sure it'll all be just fine. But before we get to the real show, uh, we talked a little bit about this, Flo and I, last week. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about self-care because it's such an important topic. The fact that Flo is taking a month off of work is only remarkable in the sense that it shouldn't be considered remarkable at all. And uh, in a broad sense... In this society, it's sometimes thought of as incredibly re remarkable, as something uh, incredible. Or, wow, what, what, what do you mean? She, she, she hasn't like lost a leg, uh, and she's uh, and she's taking a medical leave. I mean, that's why do we? Why does society kind of make these questions of us? Uh, society really should think of this sort of thing as just part of the regular routine maintenance regimen of a human brain and body. It's just like sleep or exercise or, or flossing. I don't know what flossing is. I've heard people talk about it. I'm, I'll, 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 I'll give it a try, but eh, I don't know. It's, it'll never catch on. But uh, I've used computer science and computer, computer engineering similes to help me understand and operate my brain and body all of my life. This, it's a weird system, but it works for me. So it's easy for me to appreciate the importance of being what I would call a good system administrator. The job of a system administrator, obviously it means you fix things when they break, but doing the job really well also requires constant supervision of system performance. Like if something seems to be working more slowly than it ought to, then that's something that you should definitely stop and investigate. And even when everything seems okay, from time to time, a good admin will examine all of the tools that are functioning 100% and ask themselves if something better has come along since the time that they installed that particular app. Okay, I can sense the potential for this analogy to skid completely into a ditch if I try to muscle in a tip or three about removing the lid and blowing dust off the ventilation and cooling systems of your brain. So I'll, I'll move on. But not before I remind everybody that, oh dear God, yes, Anything that has a cooling fan blowing air through it in your office needs to be cleaned regularly. That, that's not an analogy. That's a testament to how gross my NAS box gets. It's like Angora <laughs> inside there if I don't crack it up open on a regular basis. Uh, every couple of months, just you know, shut it down, <laughs> get the can of dust off. Uh, you'll, you'll thank me later. But as a blueprint for self-care, this, this analogy – I consider it pretty hot stuff. I'm just I'm justifiably proud of it. Uh, now, I did stick a key, if I'm going to be honest, honest, into an electrical socket when I was seven years old, but I haven't done that since, not even once. I don't think that's a coincidence. But the difference in between, uh, you know, administrating a computer and administrating a, a human being is that. While a computer administrator tries to maximize the performance of a computer, make sure that it's working as hard as possible, 
justifying every penny of expense and every unit of, of energy that, uh, that it consumes. The only proper goal of the self-administration protocol for humans is just maintenance, okay? If something's rattling me on a regular basis, then there's got to be a reason for that, and I got to look into it. I got to discover the source and then either remove that source or change how I cope with it, whichever one is appropriate. If I'm always anxious or tired or unfocused or sad or feeling unfulfilled, any one of those things is a sign of something that I ought to investigate. The fact that I seem to be getting by just isn't good enough because those aren't normal states. And eventually, just like uh, if I've spent way too many nights in a row getting like 90 minutes to three hours of sleep, my brain and my body eventually are going to stop being good sports about what I'm putting them through. They'll just shut down or do really improbable and unhelpful things in whole or in part. And I don't want that. Now's a good time to clarify that the source of that problem, whatever it is, it could be anything. And the solution could be anything. If you're feeling stressed out and satisfied at work, then changing your job is only going to solve or mitigate that problem if the job was the actual source of the problem. Otherwise, you're just going to take that same stress and unhappiness with you to the new job. And you know something? Sometimes the problem is medical. Chemical. All brains run on certain chemicals. And some of us can't make enough of one or more of those chemicals, and we have to order out for them, like a pizza. That's what psychiatric drugs are. That's all they are. If things aren't working, there are doctors who can help you out and give you certain answers. And if you need them, give you some of those chemicals from the takeout window. Whatever the source of the problem is, the, the solution is never to just keep your head down, grind harder, bear through it. Don't show your don't don't be a burden to your coworkers, your friends, or family. That's never the right answer. And yet, collectively, we seem to have built a culture that honors and rewards self-destructive behavior. Look, diving into a burning car to pull out the survivors of a wreck, that that is self selfless and noble. I mean, hell, even striking up a conversation with a total stranger who's clearly starved for real human contact. That requires a degree of bravery on your part, and it can have a life-changing impact on that person. But the bottom line here is that nobody has ever had a bridge named after them because of the way that their boss could always count on them to stay up until 5 a.m. finding errors in Excel reports, right? You will not get your face on a commemorative stamp because you never, not once, let yourself think, this is good enough, or God forbid, I'm good enough. No. Look, uh, a good friend of mine once gave me a long, long, long time ago of a simple piece of wisdom. This was back when I was in my 20s, and I don't think he ever knew how transformative it was. He said, you're going to be working at a career for at least 30 or 40 years. You're going to be alive for like 40, or, for like 40, 50, 60 years, God willing. That, Andy, is a long time to spend being miserable. And thus, I know that there's a need for me to perform these routine diagnostics, these self-evaluations, and make adjustments when they're necessary. I'm going to throw out a word that's going to make you cringe. It makes me cringe to kind of say it. That word is mindfulness. <laughs> yes, it's become a meaningless bit of pop psychology, hippy dippy, crunchy nonsense. I know. But it is a word with an actual meaning. Mindfulness just means maintaining an ability to take a step back from yourself from time to time and observe yourself objectively and not critically, but just observe. I'll give you an example that actually came from today. I took a walk to our town beach and then I took my shoes off and I spent like a half hour just walking up and down the surf. It was terrific. I loved it. It was fun. All the dead skin off my feet got, got sanded off. That's a nice side bonus. I felt a lot better after doing it. And I got credit for going outside and getting a little, little exercise. So, yeah, I'm really, really glad I did it. But it's really weird. I, I only went because 
I have an internal system administrator who was watching me throughout the day, and that admin made me go out and do it. See, this idea of, hey, I should take a walk to the town beach like a mile, mile and a half away and spend spend a half hour or so just walking walking through the surf with my shoes off. That idea occurred to me like today, like for the third time this month. And as before, I was going through the list of reasons why I don't want to do it and I shouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. And that's when the caretaker voice said, Andy, seems to me like the only reason why you don't want to do this is because leaving the house and taking a walk is more trouble than not leaving the house or not taking a walk. Am I close to the truth here? Well, I denied everything, of course. But then the caretaker said, fine, why don't you just prove me wrong? And then, oh God, I was stuck. Wasn't I? I, I was not about to let that part of my brain come out, come, come out of here with a victory. And you know, that it, it, my internal caretaker thinks it knows me, you know, just because it technically is me or part of me. But yeah, there, there came a moment where it's like, oh, damn it. This is the third time that I wanted, I, I decided to do this, but, but started to back out on it at this point, just on principle, I need to do it just to demonstrate that, <laughs> just to demonstrate that I'm, I'm capable of, of, of not uh, just to demonstrate that I'm not like locked to this, this death cycle of, eh, I don't want to leave the house. Eh, that's a lot of trouble. Eh, maybe I should just take like an hour long break from work instead of actually going out and exercising and, and that sort of thing. Uh, well, this, uh, oh, there's, I'm, I'm going to give you another example. Uh, this ties in with a whole like system administrator checking system log files thing. That, that's why that line <laughs> popped into my head. I actually started writing a daily journal last, last month. Never done that before, but I, I started, I, I, uh, I installed the day one app on my phone. Uh, and, uh, I, I picked that app because it was, it's multi-platform and it, it really, really, it has that really weird and wonderful combination of being really simple and really powerful. It doesn't, it doesn't have to do much for what I need. All I do is that at, at some point, usually during the evening, like when I'm powering down for bed, I just spend maybe five or 10 minutes answering specific questions that I've laid out for myself in a template. Like, did you leave the house today? Did you, did you, did you eat healthily today? Uh, did, was anything kind of on your mind? Did you get a good night's sleep? And some notes about uh, any impressions, anything that happened today that uh, that that seems to stick out. Um, I started doing it because I've been feeling sort of off, you know, like for about a month or two, or maybe three. It's really hard to describe. the The only really clear thing in all of that was that my sleep schedule had become. I mean, it, it's always been weird, but. Oh boy, it it started getting like almost abusively erratic, you know, where like I'm almost not, not literally, but I'm almost like afraid to go to, I want to stay up as late as I possibly can because I know that, okay, at some point, whether it's midnight, 3am or 8am, I'm going to fall asleep. And then I don't know when the hell I'm going to wake up. <laughs> not, not, I, I I'm stressing you. I, I, I want to stress you're not, I'm afraid I won't wake up. I'm saying that, ah, oh, damn it. Am I going to wake up like in 90 minutes and not be able to get back to sleep? And then it's like, oh my God, am I really going to start my day based on 90 minutes? Or am I going to sleep as maybe I should uh, for, for 10 hours, 12 hours, because like I'm sleep deprived from the night before? Like, oh, well, that's fun. It's 6.30 in the evening right now. <laughs> and, I've, and I've slept pretty much the entire day. That's odd. I think you'll agree. That's odd. That bears some examination and investigation. And I and I, so I started, I, I started uh, journaling just so that I could review this stuff on a day to day, week to week, eventually month by month basis, and 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 see if I could see any trends. Um, I can. T- I've been doing it for about a month. I haven't missed many days. Uh, I can't say that there's been any, any kind of an aha moment yet. But the simple practice of logging these daily details and occasionally rewinding through them and reviewing them, it's making me more objectively aware of good habits and bad habits and. Actually, it's been improving things, I think. I mean, and it's it's important to identify those things that you do out of habit. And 
ask yourself if those habits are still useful to you. Like uh, I, on the earlier on the, on the show, I mean, I, I, I told you all about how uh, I instituted a uh, Friday night takeout pizza night every Friday night. I get a takeout pizza from the neighborhood at the start of the at the start of the COVID lockdown. I put this into place, or at least I put this into place when my neighborhood pizza place reopened. But it, it was a simple pleasure that helped get me through a very very weird year. You know, it was. I'm, I'm sure that you all can relate. It was something concrete. And and loaded with carbs and fats, and gave me reliable joy on a weekly basis. And it also, in this really really weird time, where a lot of my usual metronomes of here's what day of the week it is, here's what here's your progress through the week and the month, it was like a it was like a regular Friday metronome of hey, in two days I get to order a pizza, or hey, it's Saturday I had that pizza last night. It was it was very very helpful. It was very very useful. Um, okay, but the problem was. I kept up that Friday night pizza for like a year after I got my two vaccinations and my booster. Okay. I felt like I had to stop when I realized that at that point <laughs> I was only getting pizza because it was a Friday and I always get a pizza on Friday. Like it was a habit. Okay. I was doing it just out of habit. So I wanted to question, why are you still doing it? If it's, if there's a good reason for doing it, even if that reason's just that it makes me happy, that's okay too. But don't let this go unexamined. Don't, don't be self-critical. Don't be self-judgmental. Just ask yourself, why are you still ordering a pizza like every Friday? And so I had to admit that, yeah, you know what? I don't really need to get a pizza every single Friday. And I could actually like enjoy these occasional pizzas even more if they really do feel like something special. So now a couple times a month and maybe not necessarily usually on a weekend, but not necessarily on a Friday. Uh, and also not just the same three pizzas either. I'm, I'm trying to make my way through the entire pizza menu. Had a margarita pizza like ju just two weeks ago. It was wonderful. But like I said to Flo last week, I'm sad that she's spending a month on medical leave. That's, that's speaking as her podcasting partner and as an audience member who just likes to hear what she thinks about stuff. Speaking as her friend, of course, I'm really glad that she's doing it. And this is why I have wanted to start the show this way. I want you to know that we all have a duty to ourselves and to the people who care about us. If we can't take 30 days, we ought to at least carve out 30 minutes a day to just shut out all external distractions and then to focus and think about this trip that we're taking through life and about the operational status of the meat ship that we're counting on to get us through the journey. I will, I will dip a toe back into that, that computer administrator analogy. See, the, here, here's the problem. Nobody can SSH into your brain and issue a pseudo command that puts you in balance and on track. Okay. Though not for lack of trying. Thank, thank God for colloidal copper shampoo and conditioner. That's all I'm going to say. But no, other people, your friends, your family, your coworkers, they can support you and they can cheer you on. But the damn thing is that you're the only one with root super user access to your psyche. You're going to be on this planet for a great number of decades, God willing. That's a long time to feel like something's wrong and to not try to do anything about it. Don't know what the answer is going to be for anybody, but I hope you find it. And I hope you take that half hour, just stare at the wall and whatever you think about, hold on to that thought, burnish it, investigate it, enjoy it, savor it. It's the warm bath <laughs> that just gets those chemicals sloshing in a very, very positive way. Okay, enough. Uh, on this week's episode, well, there's still some Google I.O. news left to discuss, and in some cases, we need to talk about stuff that Google didn't talk about. I also want to talk about Google's top-level domain business, partly because there's one part of that business that Google has no business being in, as far as I'm concerned. And we're going to dive into all of that right after this break. We're back, and I'm just realizing that it's going to take probably the entirety of flow's leave before I can teach myself to not say we're back when it really is just me. Uh, okay. Well, flow and I talked about Google IO news for two solid hours last time. 
Now, there's a compelling argument to be made that this podcast has already beaten the subject to the point of apoplexy, and therefore I should just move on. Well, there's also an equally compelling argument that if you listen to all two hours of episode 411 and you're still here for 412, you're either eager for more of the same or you're back as sort of a point of pride, like to come back and defiantly prove to me that you're made of stronger stuff than I am. You want me to know that if I think you're going to tap out before I run out of things to say, then I'm the damn fool king of all damn fools and that our little dance can only end with my ending the episode and slinking off in defeat while you stand there unbowed and with your Elon intact. Well, now that I've said that out loud, I think I'm as intrigued by that latter scenario as you are, dear listener. So I'm just going to press right on. No, seriously, the the keynote really is just the start of Google I.O. And that's all we really had to talk about because that's that's when we recorded That's little. And OK, the fact that the keynote is the start of I.O., that's literally true. But what I'm getting at is that there's always more information coming out in the days that follow it. Things that are, get announced or get released as part of the event. But eh, it didn't merit didn't it didn't merit a slot in the two hour and five minute long keynote. Well, here's, here's here's some stuff that I kind of bookmarked here. Like, uh, first of all, just on a broad nature, I've been saying that one of Google's goals with this year keynote, like for for weeks before uh, the Google I/O, was to encourage shareholders to not, for the love of God, dump Alphabet stock or press for new leadership. Well, they seem to pull that trick off uh, today. I'm saying this Wednesday. An analyst for Barclays pronounced, I'm quoting here. The investment community has rightfully determined that Google is in good shape around artificial intelligence in a note that he uh, shipped to clients. And the stock is still up. Good. Um, Next, when Apple and Google jointly announced uh, that proposed standard to help iPhones and Android phones protect their owners or their property from being stalked via Bluetooth tracker, I couldn't help but wonder, like, if Android was going to take that to the next logical step. And indeed they are. Google announced that the billions of phones in Android's Find My Device network are soon going to be able to detect and report the locations of third-party Bluetooth trackers, not just Google devices. I haven't seen AirTags specifically mentioned, but yeah, I I have to think that's a priority, right? Now, the keynote contained exactly one line, one single solitary sotto voce line about whatever augmented reality, extended reality, expanded reality, whatever thing thing that Google's co-developing with Samsung that they announced or semi-announced last year. The only thing thing we've heard about that since then was that, oh, they're going to have more to talk about uh, later this year. Thank you very much, Google. But uh, some actually interesting augmented reality news came later during Google I.O. It turns out that Google is rolling out a new tool for AR content developers. It's called Geospatial Creator, and it integrates Google Maps, really, really impressive, fun to just walk around in 3D city models and street view imagery into tools for building AR content, like tools like Unity and Adobe Aero. And it's actually based on standards, so those aren't the only tools that are, that are going to work with Geospatial Creator. It'll be it'll work with a whole bunch of different different stuff. Those are just the the two marquee ones. Like, so how would this be useful? Well, I'll give you an example. Like, if the Kellogg's company is planning like a Boston viral promotion for Rice Krispie cereal, they want to create an AR app or an, or an AR experience. That involves having giant photorealistic versions of Snap, Crackle, and Pop beating Captain Crunch within an inch of his life right there in Copley Square, right there in front of the Boston Public Library. Then they drag the captain's broken and bloody body all the way to the top of the John Hancock Tower. And then they, after laughing and taunting him, they they pitch him, just they, they free throw him, just like Larry Bird nailing a three-pointer all the way to Kenmore Square into Fenway Park. Where after landing with a, a wet, sickening thud uh, in the in the infield, Captain Crunch's complete lack of any reaction or response proves, to the relief of all augmented reality-equipped onlookers, that the grim and loving embrace of death has finally relieved Captain Crunch of his suffering, as well as all other earthly concerns. 
well, if that's what they want to do, if that's what these developers want to do, they can make sure it's all choreographed perfectly. And they can also preview it for senior executives to get their approval without having to haul everybody into the middle of Copley Square uh, and Fenway Park to watch it happening. Speaking of which, and I promise no more grindhouse examples here, Google launched two new APIs that allows developers to integrate Google Maps photolistic, photorealistic 3D data into their apps. So uh, these two APIs enable both like fly-through style animations, like if you're doing a navigation app, uh, and also just still images. So that's that's going to be cool. That's going to be one of those little tricks that uh, – uh, you, you love it when you, you love it when uh, a developer conference announces like an API that feels like MSG or some sort of secret sauce, some sort of flavor enhancer that uh, it's not something that you interact with directly as a user, but it's something that turns out to enhance a lot of apps that you use and makes your Android experience that much better. Well, the totally revamped Google Home app uh, escaped from its closed beta pen. And went into Google's usual standard, staggered, uh, standard, staggered rollout to all users during I/O. You should have it by now. If you don't, either you angered the wrong Google engineer, or it'll come in the next day or, or two. Uh, this is this was so necessary. The new Google Home app adds support for devices that communicate with using the Matter protocol fine uh, but the big big deal is the app's organization interface is so much better like they no longer inspire comparisons to cars crashing into fruit stands that's high praise indeed for anybody who spends any time using the standard google home app uh yeah I, i'm no longer hunting around the app so much i can set it up the way the way i like it the controls are where i expect them to be overall i'm really 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 very happy about all that now, uh, Google Drive is getting the exact same spam protections that protect Google Mail. Uh, the fact that a cloud storage service needs anti-spam features is a testament to the fact that spammers take the concept of being total bastards and they elevate it to a kind of art, a thing of almost heroic scale. Like, obviously, I'm not condoning or praising what they do. I'm just saying that... <sighs> A lot of uh, a lot of total bastards in our in our communities and our in our workplaces everywhere. They do things like, oh, hey, look, here's a here's a, a really expensive like almond milk in the break room fridge that clearly doesn't belong to me and is labeled with the other person with another coworker's name. I think I'll drink it myself, or like maybe they will park in an awkward way so that it's really really hard for other cars to get in and out next to them little things i mean things that are almost effortless on their part so when you have the industry of spammers and they said there must be an experience out there that we haven't ruined yet well and almost taking it as a challenge that well it's just a system for like storing files in the cloud how how on earth could we possibly exploit this to you know get people's attention on my only only fans or get them to, yeah, there must be a way. It's a just, just, just like Thomas Edison had that light bulb moment, almost literally, where he said, I am convinced that because I have hundreds of employees to abuse, that if I put them to work and make them understand that their very livelihoods and their ability to support their families is contingent upon their ability to give me a light bulb that I can claim credit for that's what that's it's, it's that's that's what built america you know and i know that the spammers are probably deeply deeply offshore but that's you know that's that's part of the influence of the american way i think that anybody who's an american should be very very proud of that and deeply ashamed but i think we've all demonstrated as a country that we're not really good at you know at accepting shame for things that we're totally responsible for. Hey, why don't I move on? Uh, so apparently Google is definitely absolutely totally serious about sprinkling a little AI twinkling dust into everything they do. The Play Store is not going to be forgotten. It's going to get some generative AI features that create an overall summary of all user reviews so that when you see like something that has like 20, 30, 40 reviews, That'll be summarized into, you can read them, of course, but it'll be summarized into like a simple, like few sentences or a couple paragraphs that says, here's what people seem to like about it. Here's what people think the weaknesses are about it. Here are, you know, here's what people could, here's what the, the sort of person who will really, really enjoy this app, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
it's also going to uh, condense individual reviews into like those sort of back of the VHS cardboard sleeve blurbs. So if I spend like two paragraphs carefully and concisely explaining like here is what this uh, this note taking app here's what day one is good for and here's how I'm using it and enjoying it. It will just say <laughs> phantasmagorical for exclamation marks and you not go. Okay. I mean, <laughs> fame is fame. I'll take it wherever I can get it. Now, all of the stuff I just talked about were pretty much just like little fun sized facto- factoids, you know, individual isolated like <laughs> items in a candy dish. I'm still super curious about some of the huge topics and products that I would have expected to get showcased in the keynote. These are products, services, ideas that almost always get some time during a Google I.O. keynote, but they got left chained up in the attic for one reason or another. I don't know why. Like, okay, obviously, Google didn't talk about their ad business at all. Okay, maybe it's not such a big surprise, Google. (laughs) Google would very much like everyone to believe that, oh, we do it because we love humanity and we love the planet. We love information. And not that, hey, the more the more time you spend with our with our, 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 our opera blobs experiment, the more data we can collect, the better we can target ads to you. Maybe they, they want to keep that on the on the down low. Uh, but yeah, sure enough, yes, the even the service that generates the majority of the company's revenue will shockingly soon be firing ads at your face with weaponry weaponry new, newly augmented with fresh augmented uh, <laughs> fresh uh, artificial intelligence. CNBC, the the outlet that seems to, I don't know whose password at Google they have, but every time that there's a really good story that involves getting a horde of uh, internal documents at Google, it's CNBC that manages to get a hold of them. So anyway, so uh, according to the latest batch of internal documents they've gotten their eyes on, uh, they uh, Google has approved a bunch of new features that will automate the creation of ads using Palm 2 generative AI. Okay, that's kind of expected, uh, but users of uh, Google's ad services uh, won't be limited to just generating ad copy or generating ads. Artificial intelligence will develop sponsored ideas for videos that an advertiser should ask content influencers to make. So it can do things like if you've got if you tell the uh, if if you've got goals. Uh, the generative AI can, and they, they know that it's not the, that the advertiser is not necessarily writing the ads. That's not how the ad economy, uh, across Google's services works. Sometimes it really is just about, we are going to try to get 50 influencers to do a video with the following eight data points. It will, it will help that advertiser. The AI will help that advertiser come up with ideas of, uh, here is the, here is the, I want you to do an ad in which you try to make like a giant, a giant pitcher of cherry Kool-Aid and you dress yourself as a giant pop rock and you jump inside it and you, you explode. And while you're exploding, uh, you mention that our new version of checkerboard paint is both easy to clean up spills from and also goes on flat with one coat with very, very little surface prep. I don't know. I've never ad, I've never bought ads, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But but you get, you get what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, AI really is going to be absolutely everywhere. There's even, uh, this has nothing to do with the ad business, but there, I also got wind of a uh, uh, AI tool for YouTube creators that will just because the AI is informed about what kinds of topics are trending and getting a lot of eyeballs on YouTube at this moment, it can, you just click a button in the creator panel and it'll say, here are five topics for videos that you might want to jump on right now. <laughs> Here's summaries of, and we'll, we'll help you write it like, Oh dear. <laughs> I, I can, I can see why some people are predicting the end of the world as we know it because of the prevalence of AI. <laughs> the next in the year or two this is distressing to say the least not uh, <laughs> okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go doom and gloom here i'm just saying that oh dear that's that that's not a roadmap for excellence <laughs> of creation as far as i'm concerned uh, but hey creators prove me wrong you're making a lot more money off of youtube than i am i'm making i'm not making any money but if i tried i would not be making as much money as you are because you are part of that pepsi generation i am not so i'm not gonna <laughs> I'm, 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 I'll, I'll be okay. 
Uh, but we are we are going to find out a lot more about how AI is going to be enhancing <laughs> weaponizing uh, Google's uh, ad ad tools. Actually, next week. So I guess I'll be talking about that uh, on the show next week. Next week, uh, just like Google I/O is uh, is for developers, uh, Google's annual marketing live event is the same thing only for advertisers all the way down to starting off with a live stream keynote. So that's where they're going to be talking about to all the people who use advertising service, Google's advertising services. Here are new products. Here's new goals. Here's new techniques. Here's no tools, new tools that we're giving you. And of course you're going to expect it to be absolutely squishy (laughs) with artificial intelligence features. Now here's one that was really disappointing to me and surprising. Google really didn't say a whole hell of a lot about Wear OS during uh, during the I/O. Uh, actually, not not just during the keynote, during the all of Google I/O, that was super discouraging to me because I I I don't think the Google Pixel Watch is perfect by any means, but oh my goodness, what a leap forward for for the entire platform. It's it's not exactly as nice and as elegant as an Apple Watch, but it's not ridiculously far off. So, and I was hoping for the same kind of renaissance for the software, but, oh, well, they, they did show, uh, later in the week that they, they threw out like a little teaser of Wear OS 4, mostly just embroidering, oh, we'll have more to say about Wear OS later in the year. Uh, and there'll be, they, what they did tell us is that there's going to be some overdue and appreciated support features, including making a full backup and restore so, like, if you lose your watch or you buy a new one, you're not going to have to start from scratch. You can just simply restore uh, restore the backup from your old watch into the new watch, and Bob's your uncle. Uh, and you can, when you set it up, you can apply all of the permissions that you've set up on your phone so that they apply to your watch as well. So that's going to be a lot easier. Um, they're also promising that your watch is going to be able to do some more useful stuff with Gmail and Google Calendar and Google Home right from the device. And Google's also teasing, I'm quoting here, uh, new and improved accessibility capabilities like a faster and more more reliable text-to-speech experience. That's important and that's critical. And that reminded me, or actually not reminded me, uh, I need to apologize. uh, We talked a lot last week about topics that for some reason were not in the keynote at all. I belatedly realized there was no discussion of accessibility features during that keynote. And to me, that's kind of a, you know, a whiskey tango foxtrot kind of move. Unfortunately, it turned out that Google wasn't keeping any big swing accessibility advancements or features for after the keynote, nor were they holding it for this week. This uh, Tuesday, this week was Global Accessibility Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Uh, so it's not as though they said, hey, we've got a lot of stuff to uh, accessibility features that, that are really, really awesome, but we're going to wait for accessibility awareness data to release them. We're not going to do this during uh, during Google I.O. Um, during Google I.O., they had they had one cool thing. Uh, it's this thing called Project Game Face. That's a genuine, genuinely cool feature, genuinely cool idea. It's a hands-free virtual gaming mouse that users can operate via facial movements and gestures that are being picked up by their webcam. So people who uh, don't have use of their hands or don't have uh, dexterity in their hands or can't move uh, their operate their fan- hands fast enough to be competitive in a game, now they have this uh, mouse binding. It's it's all software. It's not like a an actual physical mouse. It's it's, it's all software. Um, it's a hands free uh, again virtual gaming mouse. Um, and it's good. It, it demos really well. Google even open sourced the code and everything, so that's great. But it's it's disappointing, and here's why. Apple, they they themselves announced a pile of accessibility feature coming that they're going to be releasing over the coming months on Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Now, this is what I think of as big swings. Here's, here's, I mean, not just little, little tweaks, little, little enhancements. Okay. Users with cognitive disabilities can activate a new, well, will be able to activate a new, uh, assistive, ac- assistive access mode on their phone. And with this feature activated, the entire user interface changes. It's streamlines. It strips itself down. It simplifies. It distills every single element of the iPhone's user interface to its very simplest 
and least confusing and most clutter-free expression. So the cognitive load of that screen becomes much, much lighter, which means that this phone is now useful to people that couldn't use that phone before. That's what accessibility is all about, giving equal access to technology to everybody. Why would you not want to do everything you can to make that happen? And that this is not a simple tweak that they did. This uh, required Apple to rethink everything about the user interface. And it's beautiful in its own way. Okay. I, uh, I'm so impressed with it. Okay. Then if that, if that wasn't impressive enough, okay, there, uh, there are people, including one of my best friends uh, from a while ago, who they know that they're going to soon lose their power to speak either because they have some kind of a progressive disorder and they're not going to be able to uh, access that part of their body uh, or they're going to have surgery soon where they've got a cancer and they're going to have to uh, it's going to removal of the cancer will require removal of their voice box. Okay. They know this is going to happen. They know this is going to happen. Okay. Well, so Apple's putting in this brand new feature that will build, that will let you build an AI model of your natural voice and then use that simulacrum in all modes of conversation through the phone, including, and so not only using your phone to using the phone to use a synthetic voice in the messages app and the phone app uh, and uh, and every, when you when you're using a communicative communicative app you're typing on the screen typing on the phone and pressing buttons to speak for you it's not enough that it's just a very very beautiful natural sounding human voice it's your voice it's it's part of your identity okay it's uh, it's such a fundamental thing to be able to speak to your loved ones in the voice that you've always spoken to them with okay that's powerful that is that is human. Okay. And that is, that shows why Apple deserves its, uh, its, its, its reputation as one of the most empathic tech companies out there. <laughs> Certainly the most empathic company worth more than, more than a trillion dollars say. So as much, as much as such a company can be said to be empathic, but my goodness, it's, it's, that's not a subtle thing. Is it like, I really, that, so in light of this, it is, it's so disappointing that Google brought so little to to the party this year. And the the thing is, I, I should I should hold myself up a little bit because it's possible that Google is going to be taking advantage of the fact that, uh, unlike Apple, they don't have to just really release a do a big release of Android operating system every single year around the time they release their flagship phones. The uh, the iPhone operating system, it's all of one piece. You can't change one part of it. You have to change all of it. So this is why big features have to come out in big major system releases. Whereas uh, out of necessity, uh, Google has split up Android into a whole bunch of individually upgradable and replaceable components to the degree that you can say, well, what is Android 14 anyway? If they, if they didn't show off an incredible amount of breathtaking new features, well, who cares? They can, they can two months before Android 14, they can totally revolutionize the camera app or they can totally uh, create a, a, a brand new system launcher or whatever they can do. So who knows? Maybe they'll have something great to show that doesn't have to wait until Android 14 or they could release it whenever they want. But I'm insistent that accessibility features between Google and Apple, it should be like an arms race, shouldn't it? Google and Apple should each be stretching themselves to just drive themselves to top whatever it is that they themselves and certainly the other company announced the year before and or just steal any good idea outright without apology. Okay. That's how aggressive these companies should pursue accessibility uh, across all f all software, all services, all hardware. It would be a beautiful thing to see. I'm just sorry that it was a one-horse race this year so far. Well, then finally, there's the poor, poor Google Assistant. This factors into uh, 
a larger issue, I think, with Google Home and Nest smart speakers. So I'm going to share my thoughts on that topic in this week's bonus episode, which is a, which is going to be available exclusively to our members uh, to sign up for a Relay.fm membership and get these and the bonus content created by all other Relay FM shows for the members community. Please visit Relay.fm slash membership. Thank you to all of you who have uh, signed up for memberships. That really, really helps Flo and I out a lot. Uh, and so... This is why we put so much effort into the bonus episodes because uh, <laughs> we're grateful for everybody, as as we always, always say. Your time is your most valuable commodity. The fact that you give us your time every single week or most weeks, we are so grateful for that. The money is also really good. So go to relay.fm slash memberships. Well, I, uh, I can't be too hard on Google for leaving so many important topics on the cutting room floor during I.O. Like, I guess convincing the world that the company wasn't blasting off to Nowheresville in a rocket ship that isn't required, isn't equipped with any generative AI features whatsoever. I'm guessing that had to be the bigger priority. Anyway, let's take a break. Uh, When I come back, I'm going to talk about Google's top level domain business, which is simultaneously genuinely cool, potentially dangerous and ear splittingly goofy. I got a question for you. I do think that this is a common like digital (laughs) internet computer software app whatever human experience like have you ever discovered a new feature for an app or an an actual new app or something that's immediately and intensely relevant to your workflow and you try it out and you it just changes everything it makes everything simpler and you immediately feel proud and like super intelligent because you have just suddenly greatly simplified your daily life well I use Google Docs a lot. A lot of my work begins by creating a brand new Google Doc. I'm sorry for calling it a Google Duck before. I almost like started all over again because, but then I thought, hey, maybe it'll make people laugh and maybe they'll make little quacking noises at the idea of a Google Duck. You know what? I am going to actually Google search right now. I'll get, I'll, I'll get to my point later on. I just have to. I I can't believe that nobody has made a Google Duck because, I mean, I I have, like, in my office as I speak here and as I continue to type in Google search, I actually have a pair of, of, uh, you know, of sandals that are are known as, you know, the kind of known as slides. Like, they don't have that little, like, toe thong. They're just like an actual just, you know, you slide your feet into them. And they have the Google Slides logo on them. If somebody had the where had the cleverness and wherewithal to actually said, you know what? Not only do I think that's a good joke, I think that enough people are going to think that's a good joke that they're going to want to actually own this and maybe put it on a shelf or something like that. And I am shocked and dismayed to find out that no one is making a Google Duck. I mean, you see, you see uh, comparisons to Google and DuckDuckGo. That's about it. No one has done like a Google Docs, Google Duck. It might be up to me. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm, I, I, I swear. I know we're. I know we're. This is a. This is a full show. But I've got to. I'm just gonna go to Etsy, and see if someone has done a Google Duck on Etsy. Nope. Personalized. Personalized rainbow duck Google phone case. Duck tolling retriever pillow cover. Ooh. It says here, cute ceramic duck cup. It is indeed a very cute ceramic duck cup. Eh. Okay. See, um, if if I didn't have, uh, if I didn't have, if I didn't have to finish finish the show, I could, I believe that I could go to AliExpress right now, uh, or Alibaba and like get like a thousand like rubber ducks like promotional rubber ducks for like three cents each in units of a thousand, have them put the Google docs logo on it and have the word ducks underneath it. Ah, okay. I like Icarus. I'm trying about to fly too far to the sun. Okay. Let's get back to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So I, yeah, I use Google docs a lot and yeah, a lot of my work throughout the day begins by creating a brand new Google doc where I, type the Google Docs URL, or at least as much of it as I'm required. Then I click the button to create a new doc. Proceed. 
with a genius flow. And this can happen several times a day. But now there is a brand new shortcut in my arsenal. All I need to do is type docs.new into the address bar of any web browser. And hey, presto, my browser lands on a newly created empty Google Doc, saving me time, energy, effort, stress, etc. Isn't that fantastic? Not as fantastic as a Google Duck. would. Be. I, I'm going to make one at least just to see what it looks like. Anyway, uh, but there, okay, there is another side, another darker side to that whole process of discovering a brand new feature. So yes, I do feel at the outset, like I'm really smart to have learned this shortcut. But then the next thing I learned is that, hey, Andy, you know, this shortcut that you've just discovered, it's been around for about like five years already. And every time that happens, I can't help but want to try to calculate all the time that I've wasted since 2018 by creating docs the old-fashioned way. But I don't do that, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel really, really dumb at that moment. And I know that multiplying two numbers together is way, way beyond me, you know? So, yeah, that did happen uh, last week. I found out about Google Registry's Trific.new links, those shortcuts. They, they do work exactly as I described, though. Uh, please don't let my shame interfere with your enjoyment and use, usefulness of this thing. Uh, you can go to what's.new uh, for a landing page for the whole feature, and it, it'll show you all the shortcuts that are available. It's not just Google stuff. It's uh, any third party can submit or buy a domain or whatever uh, according to a certain protocol. Uh, you've got uh, – if you want to create a brand-new Medium post on your Medium account, you can just hit story.new. I have a WordPress blog or I'm building a WordPress blog. When I finish it, if I finish it, I can just type post.new to create a brand new WordPress blog post. Meet.new will launch an instant Google Meet meeting. That's another thing that that's how Flo and I uh, do our, have face-to-face -face, uh, contact when we're actually uh, podcasting. So that's going to use, be used. Excel.new to create a brand new Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. Now, they're not all great. There is a box.new action, and that's, I'm just going to have to quote here, quote, design custom decorated boxes for your business with pack lane, unquote. Yeah, if we need to stream, that's, I don't, I don't think that they're bringing the human consciousness closer to glory uh, by giving us that. But, but hey, uh, you only need to find one good one to make uh, to make it worth the visit. And me, I, I found two, so I'm way ahead. So kindness, regards, and appreciation to Google Registry, right? Well, not quite. Like They're a fine domain registrar, and the .new shortcuts, they're peachy. But I think that this organization at some point has also drunk rather lustily from the heady draft of major goofiness. Okay, because uh, it's operated by Google, they can and do create brand new top level domains, not just .com, .net, .whatever. Uh, that's how they created and control all of these .new shortcuts to begin with. But they create other top level domains when they think that they've got an interesting idea for that would lead people to want to buy domains from them. Now, you'd think that the need for a new top level domain would be rather niche. Like, the further your domain name strays away from a .com, the more it creates the impression that you're showing up for a job interview wearing a clip-on tie. Uh, but this hasn't dissuaded Google Registry from opening eight brand-new top-level domains just this month. Now, among them are, you got your .phd. Again, I'm going to quote the how <laughs> Google Registry describes what this is how this is useful uh phd is for anyone with a doctorate you've earned your diploma now show off what you can do this is immediately suspicious to me i i know a lot of people who've earned doctorates and the only time they put the phd after their name or put up with being addressed as doctor is when they deserve to be mocked by a nearby friend for having just done something galvanically stupid and they know it uh, they've also got the dot ESQ and that has the same problem dot dot Esquire, but uh, at least that has the benefit of warning people away from potential social interaction with an attorney. 
Like you don't want to get cornered at a party by someone who, and again, I'm quoting Google registries, marketing pros here is eager to quote, showcase their bar admissions and alma mater. Yeah. That, uh, that person's getting some love in later that night. That's for sure. Okay. But there's one new top level domain of these, this new eight, these new TLDs that are uh, being, uh, being rolled out in uh, this month, May, that was absolutely born to swing from the very tip toppiest branch of the goofy tree. I speak of the dot dad domain. And after I speak of it, I must speak the phrase, I promise you I'm not making any of this up, I swear. Again, I'm just going to quote. Dad is a secure domain for dads. Whether you're a dad who wants to start a blog or someone showing appreciation for the father figures in your life, dot dad is the place for fatherhood related content. So I guess that, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice that it's a secure domain. Actually, most of these are secure domains, but in this context, I guess that means that like when someone sends you an email advising you that all of this morning's most impressive headlines are related to last week's big sale on corduroy pillowcases. <laughs> and you can at least take solace in the knowledge that because of the security, your shame of having received that joke will not be exposed by any kind of man of the middle hack. But to be serious though, two of the other new domains are causing some legitimate concern. Uh, Dot zip is for, quote, tying things together, unquote, or, quote, moving really fast. It's It implies speed. They've also got a dot move, dot M-O-V, uh, which is a secure domain for moving pictures and other things that move. All right, fine. But, but many security researchers are raising warnings. You certainly recognize dot zip and dot move as two common file name extensions. Well, security researchers are pointing out the possibility that bad people could exploit that fact for a new form of phishing attack. Like here's a kind of a generic example, like lots of sites and uh, online services and even OS level text APIs, uh, they will automatically turn any string of characters and encounters. If it looks like a new URL, it assumes that it is a URL and it will turn it into an active blue hyperlink or whatever. So let's say that some company's technical support webpage uh, describes the process for opening a .zip archive file, and the page refers to an example file that doesn't exist called this is just an example.zip. Well, a malefactor sees the opportunity and buys the domain, yes, this is just an example.zip, and then the user's phone turns that quote file name unquote into a URL. They say, oh, look, I can click on this. They do click it just to see what happens. And then they're taken to a web page that infects their phone with something nasty and lingering. Now, if that sounds like an esoteric example, well, yeah, it is. But in the past couple of weeks, plenty of security bloggers have assembled increasingly cunning ways to exploit the new .zip domain to unwittingly force a user's browser or email client or whatever to install malware. Which begs the, the question, what the hell, Google? Google has responded to these complaints and warnings with the same kind of shrug that, to be completely honest, many researchers themselves have noted that this isn't a particularly effective kind of attack compared to more straightforward kinds of attacks that have been stringing millions of people into bad places every day for years. Plus, it's pretty easy to patch around, and it's not like this kind of mischief enabler hasn't been seen before. And Google also wants to remind everybody that Google Registry already has long-standing and effective measures in place to detect and disable malicious domains. So it does look like Google is off the hook. But I don't think any Google spokesperson is going to come forward to explain that whole dot dad situation. That one, dear listener, is utterly indefensible. We'll add that to the list of things that Google needs to explain to a Senate subcommittee at some point. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Flo has a Blue Sky invite she wants me to know, and she's signing up for Blue Sky over uh, over her leave. I'm sort of a personal friend of hers. I'd 
don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm hoping that maybe she'll send some beta love my way. Uh, if that happens, I'll let you know. Uh, but you can check out what she's up to on her Instagram or uh, uh, Instagram, Instagram, where she is. Oh, that flow. O h t h a t f l o. I am Anatko on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, I'm still hanging around Twitter for now. Um, you can also check out my weekly, bi-weekly, whenever uh, tech news roundups at Boston Public for Boston Public Radio uh, at Boston's WGBH NPR news station. Go to wgbhnews.org and you can see, listen to pretty much everything I've done for the past three or four years uh, on that very, very nice station. Uh, let's see. Uh, when am I going to be on next? Uh, I'm going to be on next Wednesday. Yes, that is. Uh, Wednesday. Let's see what today is today. Today is Thursday. Uh, now it's, I'm finishing this. It's, it's Thursday. So the 22nd, and I'm going to be on at about 10 minutes past one in the afternoon, Eastern time. So go to WGBHnews.org live or later to listen to what I have to say back then. And once again, as always, you can help support our show, me and flow and everything on the relay.fm network by becoming a member, head on over to relay.fm slash material to sign up and gain access to special members only episodes produced by all of relays contributors, including us. Well, thanks so much for listening this time. I hope that you'll be listening again next week. And until then, everybody have a happy, safe and healthy seven days. Bye-bye.